0: This morning I asked Siri how many, uh, how long until Christmas and Siri said that it's 37 days until Christmas. Now, does that mean it's 37 sleeps until Christmas or just 37 days until Christmas? My mind is blown, I couldn't figure it out. I asked her, she has no clue. So uh, maybe just stick with Android if that's your thing. <laughs> but it's coming into the most wonderful time of the year where we're gonna start to see lights coming out. There's a, there's a new app. Uh, just, I uh, saw it advertised yesterday, a new app where you can register if you're going to do Christmas lights at your house, you can register your location, or if you want to go and check out Christmas lights, you can go and, uh, and go into the app and you can find where the, the cool Christmas lights are. Now, here's the thing I'm not a cynic, I'm really not, but, uh, but I'm onto them. The app that's encouraging you to do lights is created by Synergy, the electricity company. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they want us to actually have figured that out, but it's a thing. Anyway, good on them, whatever. They're not just here to make us happy. They're not bacon. They are here to make money. We're going to see decorations. Santa's going to mysteriously pop up in various shopping centers simultaneously around the metro area. We're going to be looking at giving gifts, receiving gifts, shopping for gifts. We're going to even be playing Christmas carols. Now, here's a quick, just a quick quiz. How many, how many of you only listen to Christmas carols in the lead up to Christmas? How many of you indulge all year round? Okay, all right, okay. Okay, that's actually more than I expected. I, I, and, uh, I, full disclosure. One thing I'm especially looking forward to, and I want to impress this in your brain, is uh, Christmas with Elevate. Uh, this year, Christmas is on a Tuesday. Stay with me, stay with me, which means Christmas Eve is on a Monday, which means that Sunday is the 23rd of December, okay, I know, it's impressive, and uh, so what we're going to do as a church is we're going to keep things real simple, is on the Sunday the 23rd, we are going to celebrate Christmas here. Christmas with Elevate. Not on Christmas Eve, not on Christmas Day, on the 23rd. There are no rules. Jesus was not born on December 25th. So just, you know, keep your hateful emails to yourself, everybody. <laughs> Christmas with Elevate. And the reason, I wanted, the reason I'm telling you this now, even though it's still 37 or 35 days till this a great event, is our approach to seeing people come here and follow Jesus, we call invest and invite. That that hopefully there are people in our sphere, be they family members, colleagues, uh, people in our community, school environments, uh, universities, that we're investing in, relationally investing in, speaking life into, encouraging, building those relationships. Be praying for an opportunity to just to come up on your radar and for you to be able to see it and seize it, to invite them here for Christmas with Elevate, because the statistics are very clear that... Christmas is the number one time of the year where people who aren't followers of Jesus or have disconnected from a church are more likely to say yes to an invitation. So my encouragement is be investing and be looking for an opportunity to invite. And please, 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 please please, please don't say those people's no for them or what if they say no? No, no, what if they say yes? Okay, some are going to say no, and if they do, they're not rejecting you. Suck it up. Grow a big pair of big boy pants. They're not rejecting you. They're just saying, no, I don't want to come to that event. That's fine. But don't say they're no for them. In the US, some of you know, uh, leading up to Christmas, they have a day, a nationwide celebration called Thanksgiving. And yes, I know we don't do that here in Australia, but I really like the idea of it particularly the idea of us actually pausing as the year starts to come to an end, to just have a glance in our rearview mirror and take a moment and, and, and look at the things that we're thankful for. Because we just keep powering on and the speed of life just keeps gaining uh, You know, every day. Sometimes just like rip the handbrake and just say, okay, for where I've come this year, what am I thankful for? God, what am I thankful for? And, and when we pause to do that, Things will come up, in a, in a good way, things will come up, and you'll start to, you'll start to remember, oh yeah, the, actually this year was the year I got that new job that I really love. Uh, this year was the year I had a new baby, uh, which by the way, you don't have to say new and baby, it's kind of inferred. Uh, I figured that out for myself this week. This one's, my, my baby's three and a half years old that I brought home yesterday. <laughs> anyway, maybe this year you got to purchase your own home. Maybe this was the year that God led you here to Elevate Church. Maybe this was the year you started following Jesus. Maybe this year, and I know for some of you, this was the year you got baptized, and you look back and think, man, God, I'm so thankful that I got baptized this year. Maybe this year, uh, God allowed a relationship to be restored, a family member or someone that that was broken, and God started to to heal that. Maybe this year, you're thankful for new friends. Some of you, I know, you're thankful that this is the year you became debt-free, And uh, you paid off your credit cards and your loans, and now you're making more progress financially. Some of you, this was the year that you overcame a health battle. And if so, if you've got one or more of those sorts of things on your list of things you're thankful for, you might actually think and consider that this year has been somewhat merry and bright. However, that's not going to be everybody's story. Because some of you didn't get a new job this year. Some of you lost your job this year. Some of you didn't get a relationship restored this year. Some of you experienced a broken relationship this year. Some of you, you're still married this year, but only just, and it's a grind and a slog, and it doesn't feel merry and bright to you. And I get this. Jesus didn't promise that every circumstance in every day in our life was gonna all be merry and bright. And then... We're coming into this Christmas season, which can add a whole nother list and layer of pressures and stress and expectations and obligations I'm really selling it, aren't I? And uh, whoa, can't wait. the most wonderful. And that's the reality. We, 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 on top of everything we've already got, we start layering on relational expectations around Christmas, calendar obligations around Christmas that then can leave us physically and emotionally exhausted. And then there's the big one, 21st century Western Christmas, financial pressures. Those of you that uh, have uh, connected here in the last 12 months, you've yet to experience my annual words of wisdom when it comes to finances and Christmas. So here it goes. Every year leading up to Christmas, I say things like this. Please be generous this Christmas. Be big-hearted this Christmas. Speak life and show love to those that you love. And yet, do not confuse generosity with stupidity. You have X amount of dollars. Yeah, the bank will throw some more at you, but it's not yours, it's theirs. And they're gonna expect you to pay it back, plus a bit of interest, in some cases, a lot of interest. Wallet wizards are not the fix. Use wisdom in what your generosity looks like. There was a season of uh, Louise and my marriage where we had very little disposable income to buy gifts. So we would give each other vouchers, a voucher for a complimentary 30-minute massage. Man, that still scored a lot of points if you're thinking like, what? No, that's got, guys, listen carefully. (laughs) But do not confuse generosity with stupidity. Exercise wisdom leading up to Christmas. In contrast to what can become precious, there's an amazing declaration made about what was ultimately the first Christmas. At the time of Jesus' birth, there was a lot of moving parts. And one of those moving parts is there was some shepherds out doing shepherdy things. And an angel appeared to those shepherds. and, And here's what happened. Luke recorded this. Suddenly, God's angels stood among the shepherds and God's glory blazed around them and they were terrified, which is fair enough. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm actually here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A saviour has just been born in David's town, a saviour who is Messiah and master. This, this is the first Christmas. This is the thing that kick-started it all. And the thing, one of the things that contrasts between this joyful event and what we can experience is Christmas for us so often is very much built on shifting sand. If the food is good, then Christmas is good. And if the food is bad, especially you're the one that prepped it, Christmas is ruined. If the people you love show up, Christmas is good. If the people you love can't show up, then Christmas is bad. If the people you don't love don't show up, then Christmas is good. But if the people you don't love show up, then Christmas is bad. It's shifting sands. And you know it because you've experienced it. And you could actually evaluate some of your previous Christmases, give them a score out of 10, and that number would vary based on the circumstances. And yet, in this first Christmas... The angel promises a joyful event, and ultimately, by the way, he wasn't promising that this was just a joyful event. It was actually a promise that you and I could experience true and pure and unending joy in our lives, and I want to actually show you how that works. If you've got our Elevate app, you can tap the Bible tile. It's gonna take you to something that John wrote. And this slice of John's writings that I'm gonna airdrop us into actually isn't around the birth of Jesus. It's actually recorded about something that happened where Jesus only had 24 hours left on this planet. He was in his last 24 hour, last day on this planet. And think about this. When you know, and Jesus knew, when you know you've got one more day to live then you're going to choose your last words very carefully. I've got 24 hours to get the last slice of my message across. These are going to be among my famous last words. He's not just going to be reading the McDonald's menu. He's going to be thinking about stuff that really, really, really matters. And this is... Some of what he recorded. Now, by the way, the 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 slice that I'm going to drop us into of John's writing, I actually taught a series on that uh, two years ago called "The Power of Same," and uh, I strongly recommend. We actually taught it in January. It was kind of like one of those start the year off with the right kind of perspective. I would encourage you. It's four messages to uh, get go back through your podcast uh, feed or our app and uh, have a listen to that. This is actually around the same slice of John's recordings, but. Uh, unpacked a lot more, but let me just drop this into one slice. In verse 11, and if you're got a app, you'll have to scroll. John records something that Jesus said. Jesus said, "I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy, and your joy wholly mature." This is exciting. This is exciting, that, that, that the joy that Jesus has that's unchanging, unending, that actually that exact same joy, not a copy, not a, not a substandard version, not a, not a shrunk wrapped version, but the same joy that Jesus has would actually become our joy. And in fact, by the way, this thing, joy, holy, mature, another version of John's writing says that actually Jesus' joy in our life might actually overflow, And I read that and I think, man, you know, some days I just settle for 60% full. Like, given this that I'm dealing with today, just give me 60% joy because I'm running at about 20%. And yet Jesus says that he wants to give us the same joy that he has, which is unchanging and never ending. And not just give it to us, but actually have it overflowing in our lives. That's a big, exciting promise right there. Now, Jesus' love is unconditional, but his promises are not. What? Listen again. Jesus' love is unconditional, but his promises are not. His promises almost always have a trigger, they are freely available but they're often conditional. There's something that he actually asks of us that triggers the release of that promise. And I buried the lead on this very intentionally. The trigger is in the same sentence as the promise. These things, I've told you these things. If you do these things, then you can experience my joy and overflowing these things. Doesn't that get you intrigued? Doesn't that get you thinking, I wonder what these things might be? Well, you can just scroll back up because John wrote down what these things are. And Jesus says, if you do these things, then the outcome, what they'll produce, what these things will produce is overflowing joy. So, Without any further ado, let me introduce you to these things. Verse 1, Jesus, quote, I am the real vine, and my Father is the farmer. You have to get a visual on this, okay? We're not sitting in a vineyard here, but get a visual. I am the real vine, and my Father is the farmer. I am the vine, and you are the branches. See how this is? Three characters, three players. In this scenario, the farmer, God, the vine, Jesus, and the branches, us. About a month ago, uh, Mercy, one of our beautiful uh, uh, women here from Elevate, uh, she gave birth to their new son and her husband. He currently works in Qatar and uh, looking to get a job here, but currently employed in Qatar. Uh, But he came over, as you'd expect, for the... um, birth of their son, here he is here, if you haven't uh, yet met him, uh, <laughs> that's him there. Uh, just in case you're wondering, uh, Mercy didn't, in fact, marry LeBron James, <laughs> or did she? <laughs> so, for obvious reasons, I don't call him Rogers, I call him LaRoj. and uh, LaRaj was here um, visiting from uh, Qatar for the birth of their son. Their son's name is Jabali, which is a traditional Swahili name, which translates name that confuses white people. So um, <laughs> Jabali. And I was talking with Laroj, living, he, him living in Qatar. I said, do you know, what do you eat? Like what, what, what's, you know, what's the cuisine there? What do you eat? And he says, oh, I, I, I like to cook, and I like to cook as best I can traditional Kenyan food originally from Kenya, living in Qatar, traditional Kenyan food. I said, oh, really? Can you, can you get ingredients, like the local ingredients to, to make this sort of food? No, no. Uh, I get them from Nairobi. And I'm like, okay, really? Like, do you get them shipped over? No, no. Once a month, I take two suitcases, empty suitcases, and I fly to, to Nairobi from Qatar. I fill up those two suitcases with traditional Kenyan, Staples. I get back on that plane that very same day, and I fly back to Qatar. It's a five-hour trip each way. He gets staff discount on the airline. He, He goes shopping for a day trip from Qatar to Nairobi. I'm like, I mean, I'm impressed, but I'm like, really? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, why? Can't you get any of those same things in, uh, in Qatar? He says, actually, you can, but you can only get the GMO and the kind of poorly grown stuff. And so because you get that, doesn't matter what you do to it, it's never gonna taste as good as it does from the old country. So I do a monthly shopping trip to Nairobi. Okay, I get it. But what Rogers understands is that the fruit that's produced is 100% dependent on what it's attached to. And so he wants the best, the purest, the highest quality, the most authentic fruit. But in order to do that, he's gotta source it from somewhere that, that that fruit is ultimately attached to the highest quality, the purest vine, the purest plant. And the mistake that too many of us make is that we attach ourselves to the wrong things and are then surprised why we don't get the best outcomes. We attach our joy or the source of our joy to our jobs. And so when our job's going well, we feel merry and bright. But when our job starts to not go so well, all of a sudden the merry and bright switch gets dimmed down. We attach ourselves to relationships. And when those relationships are great, we're feeling merry and bright, joy levels are up. But when those relationships go south, which they can do, the merry and bright, the joy starts to erode. Joy, if it's attached to people and jobs and money and circumstances, not that any of those things are inherently bad or evil, but when we attach ourselves to them, expecting them to be the provision and the source of unending, unchanging joy, we're gonna be left disappointed and not experiencing that life that overflowing joy that Jesus promised. So he says, okay, so here's the deal. (laughs) I wanna give you my joy. I wanna give you the same joy that I've got and actually you experience it overflowing, but you need to do these things. And the first of these things is attach ourselves to Jesus, the vine, the source of the life, the source of the joy, and he never changes. But then things get a little weird. Jesus talks about how this whole kind of thing works, this uh, ecosystem in the vineyard that is our life. <sighs> he cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is grape bearing, pru- he prunes it back so it'll bear even more. And you're already pruned back by the message I've spoken. Now, this first sentence, he cuts off every branch that doesn't bear grapes. Some of you may have actually grown up with that idea of God. In fact, some of you may be, those, some of you are sitting here today and that's your image of God, that, that God, the way he treats people that don't measure up is, you're out. That's not the God we serve and that's not the idea that Jesus is portraying here. Jesus is actually talking about people who have attached themselves to him. That he'll start pruning pieces of us. Pieces that aren't contributing. Pieces that are taking away. And I am even aware that some of you, that might be jarring to you. Because your idea of God is that God is a giver. And yet Jesus is saying that, yeah, he gives. <laughs> and at times he also takes away. Snip, snip, snip. Now, people at Jesus' time, they would have understood this. We think blueberries are growing in the freezer section of Woolies, so we don't get this. So we need to kind of... Pruning is necessary. Pruning is part of the production process. And looking back this year... Some of you, God did some pruning. Only you didn't realize it was pruning. And God took some things away from you, and you felt ripped off. And God took some things away from you, and you've been whinging ever since. People on the podcast who aren't from Australia, whinging, look it up. And you've been, oh, it's not fair, God, why me? And you've mistakenly translated God's pruning as God actually limiting you, God actually reducing you, and yet Jesus telling the audience he was telling, they would have understood that pruning is actually part of the process. In fact, pruning is actually preparation for greater production. There's gonna be a whole lot of alliteration with a lot of Ps in this message, so those of you in the spitting zone, I'm just gonna say sorry now. God takes away things that take you away. God takes away things that take you away from the life and the joy that he wants from you. You know, God will take some relationships away from you because they're taking you away from the life that he's got for you. You say, oh, I'm just there to influence them. Really? You're there to influence them. So why is it if you're there to influence them, that when you're around them, you become the worst version of yourself. Seems to me like it's not you influencing them, it's them influencing you. And you might need to say, God, I think you need to prune this because it's not taking me towards the life and the joy that you've got for me. And he says, righty-ho, snip, snip, snip. And when God prunes, stop trying to hold on to it. Stop trying to sticky tape it back on. It's gone, but it's not punishment, it's preparation. Snip, snip, snip. This week, just to demonstrate this, I went out into my garden and I pruned some of my chili plants. Now, plants respond, Tim, you'll back me, plants respond to plant whispering. So I went with my sick of tears up to my chili plants and before I did anything, I said to them, fellas, (laughs) this is gonna hurt a bit. But it's not punishment, it's preparation. This is a good thing, and you'll thank me later. Because next season, I've got a brand new plan for you. And next season, my plan for you is better than last season. I mean, you did good last season, thank you so much. My taste buds and my sinuses, they thank you. Some of them still vividly remember that day. <laughs> AKA Carolina Reaper goes to chili. <laughs> but it's not punishment, sweet little chili plant. This pruning is necessary for greater fruit and greater productivity. Now, again, we shop in supermarkets. So we don't fully understand this. Maybe it's easy for us to understand that when a branch is dead, you cut it off. You get that? <laughs> but actually, Jesus also says that God prunes the ones that are being productive still. Because new seasons require new approaches. And some of what worked in the last season isn't going to work again in the next season. And so stop trying to make a trophy out of it and start allowing God to prune it. In fact, if we see pruning as a positive thing, not only should we stop avoiding it, but we should start embracing it. Here's a risky prayer for you. You wanna just, you know, this is one of those do try this at home kind of things. Say to God, as I'm kind of closing out this year and entering into a new year, would you please, prune me? Would you please get out your big hulking secretaires and take away the things that will actually hold me back into my new season? Would you actually take away some of those old patterns of thinking that are substandard? Would you actually take away some of those old habits that have been destroying me? Would you take away some of those people that, that worked in my life for a season, but I know we are gonna hold me back in a new season. Will you actually prune me? And Jesus says that God's answered that This is one of those prayers that God's, that you already know the answer before you ask it. God says, yep, snip, snip, snip. So, front row, spitting zone. This one's for you. Pruning can be painful, But pruning isn't punishment. In fact, pruning is preparation. Pruning is part of the process. Pruning leads to production, and pruning is positive. Come on. I made the mistake of drinking lots of water before I got up here, so I don't have a dry mouth, and so you all are safe. And then Jesus says the final of these things. These things. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. And in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. God's gonna leave the things that he needs to leave. He's gonna prune the others, but he to leave some things, but those things need to stay connected to the vine. In case you missed it, Uh, I celebrated my 50th birthday this week. I know, I know, I know, I know. Some of you, I know, yes, I know. Some of you are thinking 50 and he's still alive? That's unbelievable. Well, it's because you're young and stupid, okay? (laughs) But I used to think 50 was old until I turned 50. And I'm like, oh, seems about right. So uh, Louie and I, for my 50th birthday, in case you're wondering, we did not go on an exotic cruise ship or, as I like to refer to it, a floating prison. Uh, We did not have a big party. What we did do, in fact, people ask, what did you do on your birthday? What I did on my birthday is I bought myself a new coffee machine. I would like to introduce you to the Rocket Espresso Giotto Tipo V, manufactured in Milan And uh, sure, uh, I understand right now what some of you are thinking. And the answer is yes, it is worth more than my Vespa. (laughs) But as Louis said to me on that day, you only turned 50 once. And so leading up to this, I researched, I read reviews, I asked coffee experts what's the best machine for this price point. Then, by the way, as if I needed another sign, this year, the year of my 50th birthday, this year, no kidding, the store that sells this machine actually opened up at the end of this street. Tari, you could probably see it from your balcony. Espresso Works Open up. I like to thank Mauro. Mauro said, uh, where do you work? I said, I work on the same street as you, buddy. I go past here, and every time I go past here, every time I've been going past here since February, I've said, thank you, Jesus. I'm coming for you, Rocket. And so I've got this, and we've set up a coffee station, and yeah, it's pretty next level. It's probably going to make its way to Instagram sometime very soon. There's already a wait list of uh, people who want to come over for coffee, and I'm like, you won't want to come over when you find out how much I charge for a coffee, but anyway, you get what you pay for. One thing I realized is this can have the greatest design. This can have the highest precision of production. This can have all of the promises in the the guidebook about how incredible the coffee that comes out of this, the fruit. And yet if I don't plug it in, It's just the museum piece. If I don't plug it in, it's just the dust collector. If I don't plug it in. And you might be saying, Well, thanks very much, Captain Obvious. It's electric, duh. But that's how Jesus is putting it to us. That if we don't remain connected to Him, the source of life, the source of power, then we will not produce and experience the promises that we were created and designed to produce all along. These things. Hey, I promised you earlier as we finished that I would give you an opportunity to put your trust in Jesus. If you've never actually made that decision, I want to give you that opportunity right now. You can wait no longer. Right now, For those of you that have never said yes to Jesus, never said yes, I put my trust in you, then right now I'm giving you that opportunity. And and here's all I want us to do. Those of you that are ready to make that decision, in a moment, I just want you to put your hand up. And, And you're putting your hand up really as a gesture to say, Jesus, I'm here making that decision today. But obviously I'll see your hand. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. And then I'm just gonna pray for you while you're seated where you are from the stage here. It's not gonna get weird. Um, but but I don't, and our team do not want you to miss this opportunity. If you have never yet put your trust in Jesus, made a decision to follow him, then right now, how about you just put your hand up and you say, that's me today, that's me today, that's me attaching myself to that vine, that's me, actually, good on you, dude, you can put your hand down, who else? Who else? Just don't miss this opportunity. Okay, good on you guys, you can put your hand down, that's fantastic, four people so far, who else? We haven't actually asked this question, Good on you, sweetheart. That's fantastic. We haven't asked this question for a few weeks. I know. But we're asking it today. And some of you, maybe you've been waiting in a holding pattern. Land that thing today. Good on you, buddy. You can put your hand down. Who else? Here's a open invitation from Jesus. Good on you. You can put your hand down to attach yourself to the vine. That's fantastic. Well, I'm having a bit of a good problem up here. I'm losing count. Of how many people are responding. I'm going, to, I'm going to say it's six. It's probably seven, but you know I don't want to lie. Jesus is watching. Those of you that put your hands out, I'm going to pray a prayer, but we're actually going to pray it all together because we're in this together. And all I'm going to do, I'm going to say a line, and I just want you to actually say that line. Echo that back to me, okay? And this is your prayer, and this is from your heart. And again, again, those six, seven people who put their hands up and the rest of us understand that this is not us or Jesus trying to make bad people good. This is him saying, in this moment, in this moment, the greatest miracle that has ever happened and could ever happen is happening. You're watching. And in fact, he says, when it happens, all of heaven, all the angels gather around and they, and they have a party and you're the guest of honor. So just in a moment, there's about to be a pretty big Cake in heaven with your name on it because heaven is excited that this miracle of new life is taking place. Let's say this prayer Dear Jesus, come on, come on. You're praying like white people, come on, Pastor. Come on, come on. Let's tie that. Dear Jesus, Jesus. this day I decide decide to to follow you. I put my faith in you. I thank you that in this moment. You are transforming me from death to life. Today is a miracle in my heart, in my life. I commit from this day to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, and all of heaven and all of Elevate, celebrated.